lifetime keeping you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about him getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time now here's your host joe mcclain praise be to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired i'm your host joe mcclain so good to be on with you praise be to god good morning thursday november the 18th What did the bishops vote for exactly? We're going to have that conversation coming up at 15 past the hour. Uh, A lot of conversation going on about the document on the Holy Eucharist and communion that got voted on yesterday overwhelmingly. We're going to talk about that in the What's Concerning Us segment. Coming up at 35 past the hour, though, Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch is going to be on. I reported on a story the day before yesterday, I think it was, about that, that... explosion in front of a hospital in a taxi cab. The, the person with the bomb died. The driver, by the grace of God, lived through it. Uh, apparently, very heroically noticing what was going down and locked the doors to the cab, keeping the bomber inside. Turns out that the bomber was a person from Iraq who had converted to Christianity. So the question becomes, did this person blow himself up for Jesus? But there are reports coming out of the UK that there are a a lot of fake conversions going on, making it easier for certain people to get into the country. So we're going to have a conversation around that with Robert Spencer at 35 past the hour. Did this person, why, what was motivating them? What was their their intent? We're going to have that conversation. So a lot to get into today. Praise be to God. Of course, uh, this is to the news. Oh my, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. We're into a another day of deliberations. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an expert. I'm not an attorney. I think that's kind of like a precedent there. I mean, I, I, do juries take this long to deliberate? Generally speaking, I'm guessing no. So it's kind of a Kind of a big deal. But they did call for another mistrial over uh, some evidence that the defense did not have, but the prosecution did. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today as well and all the other news stories that are pending. Of course, breaking news out of OSHA no longer enforcing the VAX mandate. So if your company is forcing it, it's your company. It's not OSHA. Have fun with that one, huh? At any rate, we have a lot to get into. And speaking of mandates, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Despite the fact that I accidentally had us muted on our social media streams, (laughs) it is still good to be here. In spite of it all. In spite of it all. Praise be to God. But luckily now the sound is coming through. So, (laughs) Well, God God is so good. Hey, uh, thank you everybody who hangs out with us on our live video feed. We we really appreciate those that, that do every single day. And they tend to be uh, a really great group of, of uh, CDT insiders that hang out with us all show long. So we're very grateful to see you here this morning, Mary and Lori and Susan and Clarissa and, and Buddy. Good morning to all of you. Praise be to Jesus. Thanks for hanging out. At the second hour, the, uh, the second half of the second hour every day, we do a what we call an after show where it just becomes casual conversation between us and them. And we're, we love that part of the show, too. So if you've never been a part of that, you might consider joining us for the after show. You can hang out with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We're on Odyssey. We're also live streaming over on LinkedIn as well. My personal profile over on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on uh, Joe McLean there. But if you go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, you will be able to find links to our social streams and even watch live there as well. So uh, a lot of ways to stay connected. I should also mention today 
that we are sending out the CDT Insider email list. So uh, every Thursday, I try to send an email to the group, and I always try to include something cool, something unique, something interesting uh, by way of content just for them, for being a part of our CDT Insiders. So if you're not on the list, can I encourage you to uh, allow me to harass your email inbox on a fairly regular basis. That would be pretty cool. You can just go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can sign up to the CDT Insider email list there, or you can pull out your cell phone and you can text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That will get you on the email list right away. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. And for your trouble, just to say thank you, we will send you a, a talk, a 30-minute uh, talk by Father Bill Casey from the Fathers of Mercy on the state of the church, sort of a State of the Union speech. It's very powerful, very good, and I think you're going to enjoy that. And You'll if you remember that. what we said on Tuesday when Joe wasn't here, we said we we're going to try to convince Joe to send you all something. Remind me what that was. I can't remember. <laughs> Uh, put it in the com box. But at any rate, that's the deal there. We have to pray and jump into our, our show this hour. So again, thank you for joining us this morning, and we'll be praying for your intentions today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother, to thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news. The Blaze Report's top general in the U.S. military warns of possible surprise nuclear attack from China. Cites hypersonic missile tests and new silos should create a sense of urgency. <laughs> Wow, I'm having flashbacks to the 80s again here. LifeSite News reports Biden admin pauses enforcement of employer vaccine mandate after court order. The United States Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration announced this week that it will comply with a federal judge's order to hold off enforcing President Joe Biden's COVID-19 vaccine mandate for tens of millions of Americans. The Fifth Circuit ordered OSHA to take no steps to implement or enforce the emergency temporary standard until further court order. In an update to the DOL website, OSHA says it will comply. OSHA has suspended activities related to the implementation and enforcement of the ETS pending future developments in litigation. Epic Times reports House votes to censure Rep Gosar over controversial video. In a Wednesday vote, the House decided to censure Rep. Paul Gosar from Arizona over a since-removed anime video that the congressman posted to his Twitter page earlier this month. The House motion to censure Gosar strips the congressman of his two committee assignments on the Committee on Oversight and Reform and the House Committee on Natural Resources. The video, which allegedly depicted Gosar killing Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and attacking President Joe Biden was immediately hit with a warning label by Twitter saying that the post constituted hateful conduct. The Blaze reports the QAnon shaman Jacob Chansley gets 41 months in prison for capital riot crime, the longest so far. Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman whom prosecutors call the public face 
of the January 6th event at the U.S. Capitol was sentenced to 41 months in prison Wednesday. Chansley had pleaded guilty to a felony charge of obstructing an official proceeding. He was one of the first rioters to enter the Capitol building, and the distinctive face paint and horns he wore during the event that day feature prominently in pictures taken during the riot. Chansley admitted to using a bullhorn to rile up other rioters and to uh, writing a threatening message to Vice President Mike Pence saying, quote, it's only a matter of time. Justice is coming, unquote. While Chansley was never accused of violence, prosecutors argued that as, quote, the public face of the Capitol riot, unquote, he needed to receive a harsh sentence for carrying a flagpole as a weapon, ignoring police orders to leave the building and gloating about the actions after the riot had ended. Of the 650 people arrested for participating that day, uh, more than 120 defendants have pleaded guilty, mostly to misdemeanor charges, though punishable by no more than six months in prison. LifeSite reports U.S. bishops approve Eucharistic document that ignores communion for pro-abortion politicians. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has voted to accept the much-discussed document on the meaning of the Eucharist in the life of the Church, which completely avoids any mention of the reception of Holy Communion by pro-abortion politicians. The document, entitled, quote, The Mystery of the Eucharist in the Life of the Church, was approved with 222 votes in favor, eight against, and three abstentions. Such an approval margin is far greater than during the USCCB's Spring Assembly when the document's drafting was approved 168 to 55. The document devotes just two paragraphs to being properly disposed to receive the Holy Eucharist, placing the emphasis on the individual who comes forward to receive communion. Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, called for bishops to evangelize all politicians. Says, quote, I can't remain silent as too many in our nation and in our world vigorously promote abortion. I must speak for the babies. The murder of unborn children is the preeminent issue and it leads to many other evils, unquote. Those are your headline news. The saint of the day is, well, I'm cheating. I'm using two saints of the day. St. Romanus and Barula. In 303 or 304, at the beginning of the Diocletian persecution, a deacon named Romanus of Caesarea in Palestine suffered martyrdom at Antioch. Upon the proclamation of Diocletian's edict, he strengthened the Christians of Antioch and openly exhorted the weaker brethren who were willing to offer heathen sacrifices not to waver in the faith. He was taken prisoner and was condemned to death by fire and was bound to the stake. However... As the Emperor Galerius was then in Antioch, Romanus was brought before him. As the Emperor commanded the uh, command, the tongue of the courageous confessor was cut out. He was tortured in various ways in prison, and he was finally strangled to death. St. Barulus was a child in the crowd of people who witnessed the torture of St. Romanus. Christ's holy martyr told them that the boy was wiser than he was, because he knew that the true God was, while the aparch did not. One of the men there asked the boy what gods he worshipped. He replied that he worshipped Christ. And he said, quote, your gods are demons. The child stated, and they have not created anything. With these and other words, the young child put the idolaters to shame, seeing that he could not convince St. Baralus to worship the false gods. He had the boy tortured. His mother stood by encouraging him to remain faithful to his savior, saying, do not be afraid of death, my son. She told him, you shall not die, but shall live forever. 
When you are beheaded, you will behold Christ's glory and will dwell with him in unspeakable joy. After the child was executed, his mother took his body and buried it, rejoicing because she had shed, because he had shed his blood for Christ. He died in 304 AD. St. Romanus and Barula pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. As Jesus drew near Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If this day you only knew what makes for peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days are coming upon you when your enemies will raise a palisade against you. They will encircle you and hem you in on all sides. They will smash you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another within you because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Gregory the Great said, The merciful Redeemer wept then over the fall of the false city, which that city itself knew not was about to come upon it. And of course, um, this is a reference to the, the sacking of Jerusalem uh, by Titus in 70 AD, which if you've never read Josephus's account in the Jewish wars of this event, let me encourage you, roll up your sleeves, dig a little deep, and you're going to be blown away. It's, there's a, a, the Jewish Wars comes in a couple of uh, books, and if, I think book five, if I'm not mistaken. And if you go through there and you start to read the description of how the Roman army came to Jerusalem, how it encircled the city and began the siege, and then, of course, you'll see that there were, there were incredible signs going on in the heavens. They would look up and see angels arrayed like battle formations in the skies above the clouds. And then, of course, there was the description of the suffering that was going on in the cities, inside the walls of Jerusalem. They were starving, and then they began to uh, practice cannibalism. And then, of course, there was the actual penetration of the wall and getting into the city and the wholesale slaughter of the people. Uh, I'll never forget going to Rome in uh, 2005 and seeing the, the victory arch there uh, in the, uh, the, the, the downtown Curie area, right across from the, the, the Roman Colosseum, depicting this very event, carrying off the candelabra as a trophy. To this day, many Jews believe that candelabra exists in the Vatican basement someplace. It's rather crazy. Jesus wept because their hard hearts rejected him wholesale. Let's not do that. We're going to be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Many Protestants believe Christians can be absolutely sure they're going to heaven because John tells us in 1 John 5.13, I write this that you may know you have eternal life. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, John writes in the next verse, and this is the confidence which we have in him. 
For John, the knowledge we have of our salvation is not a certainty without doubt, but a confident assurance. And that's the Catholic belief. Second, we know this is what John means because in verse 15, he draws a parallel between our knowledge of salvation and our knowledge that God grants our requests. Do we have absolute certitude that God will grant our requests? No, but we are confident he will answer. So, Catholics need not worry. John is not teaching Protestant doctrine here. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up, 35 past the hour, Robert Spencer is going to be our guest from Jihad Watch. There is uh, stories coming out of the UK about fake conversions to make it easier to get into the country. And then, uh, as I said at the top of the hour, there was the story about this guy in this cab who blew himself up. Uh, he wanted to blow him. He wanted to blow up the cathedral that he became Christian in, um, but due to traffic jams, only made it to the hospital instead. It's a pretty crazy story, but we're going to get the latest on that from Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch coming up at 35 past the hour. But there are, as I like to say, stories that are very concerning to me, and I am sure to many of you as well. Of course, we reported on the breaking story out of the USCCB from yesterday. They took a vote on that document and. You know, we talked about this going into this. Uh, we all knew as soon as uh, as uh, Biden met with uh, Pope Francis, we knew that the teeth was going to be removed. There was not going to be a definitive statement out of the bishops that really strongly said that pro-abortion Catholics should not receive Holy Communion. We knew that was going to be the case. And we knew that ultimately it comes down to every individual bishop. That every single bishop in their own diocese has to make this choice. The, the tragedy is the scandal, obviously, that will continue. It will not go away. Um, now, it's very interesting because I think many of the bishops, even bishops who wanted st more stronger uh, uh, language in the document itself, I think they appreciated the document. They, they felt it was uh, a good document on Eucharistic theology, but just didn't have the bite it needed in order to avoid the public scandal and to put an end to the crazy. Um, so it's very, very fascinating. Now, the LifeSite News, which I reported on a minute ago, is what I read to you. Now, th there's a paragraph here that I do want to point out. It says, prominent among such dissenting voices, these are the people who did not want any mention whatsoever of pro-abortion Catholics and communion. They wanted to uh, divest all mention of it whatsoever. Prominent among such dissenting voices were Cardinal Supich of Chicago, Cardinal Joseph Tobin of Newark, Cardinal Wilton Gregory of Washington, Bishop Robert McElroy of San Diego, Bishop John Stowe of Lexington, Bishop Medley of Owensboro, Bishop Joseph Bombera of Scranton. These prelates wished to avoid any mention of refusing Holy Communion for pro-abortion politicians such as Joe Biden. Now, also, uh, I should mention that Bishop Strickland did stand up and he did try to call for a revision. I think it was, uh, Adrian, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was paragraph 16, I think he said, uh, of the document that talks about scandal. And he pointed out in his, in his comments to Bishop Rhodes that the public scandal was a very serious thing. 
that many, many people are very concerned about this, and he wanted stronger language of, of, uh, of this particular passage. And Bishop Rhodes basically shot it down, citing the document is too long. Golly gee whiz. If only we could reduce the length of certain other uh, documents that come out of the church. The, the, these massive volumes of endless words that come out of the Vatican sometimes. We don't seem to be concerned at all about that, but, but this document, no, 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 we don't have time. Do you have that cut? No, you don't. Okay. So Bishop Strickland did try to do that, but Bishop Robes said, too long. We left footnotes. If people want to read the references to scandal and the, and the catechism, they're welcome to do so. Well, there you go. I mean, college whiz. I at least applaud Bishop Strickland for doing it. And as I said yesterday in our after show yesterday, when I was in Baltimore and I had an opportunity to talk with Bishop Strickland personally, I did share with him uh, how I was proud of him for speaking out on our behalf for being there to pray with us, for witnessing and not shirking his responsibility, for not ducking the hard questions, but standing there as a shepherd and trying to understand what, what the, the concerns were from the flock, and then being the guy on the floor of the USCCB to stand up and make those clear to his brother bishops. I mean, it didn't amount to a change, but I'm glad he did it nonetheless. Now, here's a story that I saw, but I just couldn't get to it because of the time of uh, being in Baltimore and trying to produce everything and all of that. But this was a very interesting story out of Catholic Vote. This came out just before the meeting. The Vatican, um, Vatican site publishes disgraced cardinals' attack on bishops ahead of communion vote. The Vatican's official news service published an interview with Cardinal Roger Mahoney in which he interviewed pointedly about, or rather intervened pointedly about the U.S. bishop's upcoming vote on a document clarifying church teaching about Catholics receiving communion while maintaining support for grave evils such as abortion. In the interview titled, Cardinal Mahoney Encourages U.S. Bishops to Take the Pathway to Constructive Dialogue, Mahoney argued that, quote, we are democratic, we are a democratic republic, unquote, and, quote, our country's path is one of separation of church and state, unquote. He goes on to say, and so it's a very difficult position for politicians, Catholics, who are pressured by some in the church to make all of the decisions based on Catholic church doctrine. That is very difficult. It's almost impossible. If you would want to say that any elected Catholic or any Catholic judge who at any time has ever voted for an issue or a decree or a judgment in any way whatsoever that somehow allowed abortion in some form or another, you have got maybe hundreds of thousands of people right there. That is simply un unworkable in a democratic republic, republic, unquote, Cardinal Mahoney. Now, here's the deal. Your eminence, your eminence. There's a thing called natural law. It used to be taught in Catholic universities. I don't know if it's still taught. Uh, Adrian, you went to a Catholic university. Did you learn natural law? Is that well, something you guys I did. Learned? I did, but we, I went to... Uh, but you were, you, we were, you just went to the, you went to the library studies. and probably looked it up on your own. I give my credit to uh, Dr. Rebard, who so we had you, on the show, actually. Yeah. yeah. So there are professors that still teach natural law out there. Natural law, if you're not aware of natural law, natural law is, uh, is essentially true for all human beings. It's not essentially. It's absolutely true for all human beings. It's not true for me and my creed. 
or them and their creed, or not them and their creed. It's true for all human beings on planet Earth, irregardless of your creed, of your state in life, of the amount of money in your bank, the color of your skin, the level of your education. It doesn't matter if you're tall or short, fat or skinny. You know, it doesn't matter. All human beings are subject to natural law. Like, for example, gravity. I could, I could try to walk off the top of this building, and I could deny gravity. It does not exist in my world. And yet it would prove itself to me nonetheless, no matter how I felt about it. Murder is another great example. Murder is wrong. All human beings know that. We all know it. We don't need to be taught that. We don't need to be told that. We don't need to have a, a law necessarily stipulate the fact that murder is wrong. Because we all know in our hearts, as St. Paul would say in Romans 1, that it is written on our hearts. Murder is evil and wrong. And therefore... All human beings know you're not supposed to murder someone else. Like, for instance, an innocent child in the womb. Or an elderly person or someone who with disabilities or someone that you think doesn't offer as much to, to the, the welfare of society as you think they ought to. Like, for instance, the Uyghurs, whose organs are being harvested right now by the CCP government. Let that sink in for a moment. Natural law means something, Cardinal Mahoney. And it... And I don't feel bad for Catholic politicians that are struggling to understand this idea that natural law applies to them and their thinking in their professional state as politicians, judges, or what have you. They should know that murder is wrong. And therefore, on a natural law level alone, let alone the Catechism of the Catholic Church, they should know that what they do is inappropriate and wrong, and they should, they should repent. They should go to confession. They should make worthy communions because going to communion with mortal sin on our soul brings us not the bread of life, but the bread of death, the bread of condemnation. And that's not what we want. That's not what they want. It's not the mission of the church. It, is, it lacks charity. So there is, this document was interesting to see this article come out because the, the Cardinal Mahoney interview seemed to be a pressure upon these bishops to vote a certain way when this came up uh, in, their, in their meeting. So very fascinating uh, conversation with Cardinal Mahoney trying to say, oh, well, you know, church, separation of church and state, and you can't blame these poor Catholics that are just trying to do their job, you know. Like, yeah, we can, because natural law. Because natural law. We don't have to like it, but truth is a person. It is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 14, right? So we can't sit here and pretend that it's relative. The tyranny of relativism, as, as Cardinal Ratzinger said. We can't sit here and pretend that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. Natural law is, sub, is what all human beings are subject to. And we can't sit here and beat around the bush and pretend anymore. And that scandal factor is high. It's high. It's huge, people. And I don't understand why the bishop seems so tone deaf to that. Now, I would pray that we have an opportunity to speak to our bishops individually in our own diocese and, and ask them to have courage, to have charity, to have courage to hold the line. I think too few will, to be honest with you, but I think we have an opportunity to speak to them and say, please, your excellency, your eminence, please, for love of their souls, encounter them. And if they refuse, for love of their souls, excommunicate them so that they will wake up before it's too late. Before it's too late.
before it's too late. Yeah, real quickly, the in regards to the natural law, what is meant by the natural law does not mean, because this is a commonly uh, misunderstood by many people when they hear the word natural law, they think, oh, that's things that happen in nature. And because it happens in nature, that means it must be okay. For example, people will give the classic example. They say, well, I mean, there are many animals who are homosexual, and therefore that's natural for uh, animals, then it's natural for humans. Well, that's not what natural law actually refers to. Natural law refers to not what occurs in nature, but what is, uh, what is directed towards the human flourishing. So what is flourishing towards a thing is what natural law refers to. What, what that example of that would be? It'd be if we have a tree, if you pour oil on it, it'll die. But if you pour water on it, that, it's good for the tree. It, it's for its flourishing. And the same thing for man. Man, they have certain things, and this exactly is related to God's eternal law. So you can actually get rid of the natural law entirely and just follow the Ten Commandments. Because our Lord knew that not everybody would, uh, would be able to figure out the natural law, even though that is written on our hearts and that we can reason to all the Ten Commandments. But because he knew it would be difficult for us, he gave us the Ten Commandments and said, look, I know that it's really hard. Like, not everybody's going to figure this out. So I'm going to make this really clear for you. Yeah. I'm going to put it in stone <laughs> and hand it to you so you know what the Ten Commandments are. Yeah. But St. Thomas says that you can actually come to reason to all the Ten Commandments, even the first three, that... Um, with uh, using only natural law, but not everybody can figure it out. So that's why he get it, did it this way. Cardinal Mahoney says in his interview, he says, quote, that pro-abortion Catholics who bash the bishops are the model, that the bishops are wasting their time, that the pro-life position is not viable in a diverse democracy. This assault on the bishops and the church itself raises a serious questions about who and what is at work among certain church leaders, including some in the Vatican. It's a very interesting uh, article by Catholic Vote that summarizes uh, Cardinal Mahoney pretty good here, so I encourage you to check that out. But golly, you is, I want our bishops to not care about Republicans or Democrats, right or left. I want them to care about the truth, the good, the true, and the beautiful. Truth itself. Let the chips fall where they may. We'll be right back. More breaking news and stories and Robert Spencer's coming up next. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. For some couples, praying together is very natural, but for others, prayer may feel awkward or forced. The truth is, there is real power in spouses praying together. So how can couples pray together more? You can begin by blessing each other and your children in the morning, or engage in communal prayer together like the rosary or the mass. You can also ask your spouse, how can you pray for them? Intercede for them and their needs throughout your day as you are driving or cleaning. When parents need guidance in making decisions for the family, this is when the two of you should come before the Lord in faith and ask for help. And when you fall and make poor choices, you should also repent together and ask the Lord for His forgiveness and mercy. Growing in your prayer life is an essential way to develop and deepen your relationship, but also a way for you to support your spouse and love them more profoundly. A threefold cord is not easily broken. To hear more, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
Praise be to Jesus. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean, and here are your headline news. ABC reports Fauci says three-shot a vaccine should be standard, warns of winter double whammy. Remember the good old uh, booster shot shouldn't be needed days? Yeah, I know. The AP reports man who shot Aubrey testifies, quote, he had my gun. He struck me, unquote. The man who fatally shot Ahmad Aubrey spoke publicly about the killing for the first time Wednesday, testifying at his murder trial that the 25-year-old black man forced him to make a split-second life-or-death decision by attacking him and grabbing his shotgun. He was the first witness called as defense attorneys for the three white men charged in Aubrey's death opened their case, building on arguments that their clients were lawfully trying to stop burglaries in the neighborhood and that McMichael opened fire in self-defense. Quote, he had my gun, unquote, Travis McMichael, 35 years old, testified, going on to say, quote, he struck me. It was obvious that he was attacking me, that if he would have gotten the shotgun from me, this was a life or death situation. And I'm going to have to stop him from doing this. So I shot, unquote. A man building a house five doors down from the McMichaels installed security cameras after items were stolen from a boat in his open garage. Those cameras recorded Aubrey inside on four nights on the day and on the day he was killed. The Daily Caller reports leaked tape to Project Veritas. Objective journalists is not really feasible anymore. Diversity officer tells CBS Newsroom. A CBS News whistleblower revealed that diversity and training officers told newsroom journalists to ignore objectivity and focus on racial issues in their coverage. Brett Mauser, a former promotions producer at San San Antonio CBS affiliate Kins 5, released leaked footage of diversity and training officers instructing journalists to brush objectivity aside to Project Veritas. Christina Carioli-Taylor of CKT Cultural Strategies said objective journalism is, quote, not feasible, unquote. The station's parent company, Tegna, owns 64 local CBS affiliates across the country, including in San Antonio and in Houston. CBS told Project Veritas that the instructions are, quote, misunder- or a misunderstanding, unquote, about the diversity and inclusion training, the outlet reported. The news outlet defended the inclusivity program, saying it makes their employees stronger. Epic Times reports Rittenhouse jury adjourns for a second day, lawyers to motion for mistrial without prejudice. Jurors in the homicide trial of Kyle Rittenhouse ended a second day of deliberations with no verdict and will return to Kenosha County Courthouse for a third day today. During the day, the jurors asked to review video evidence of the shootings in Kenosha, Wisconsin, back on August the 25th, 2020. Rittenhouse attorney Corey Shroffacy told Judge Bruce Schroeder that the defense will ask for a mistrial without prejudice over a dispute regarding a drone video. Rittenhouse's lawyers further said they were handed a drone captured video that was only 3.6 megabytes while the state had a higher resolution version that was 11.2 megabytes during wednesday's court proceedings district attorney james krauss said that the difference in videos was due to a technological error the video he argued was compressed because it was transferred from an iphone to an android but lawyer Corey Chirofasi said that the defense didn't have the quality of evidence that the state had until the case had been closed. Uh, another uh, defense attorney, Natalie Wisco, said that the video she was sent had a different file name than the original one. 
The prosecution wasn't telling the truth, she said, which was disputed by Kraus. And those are your headline news. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch. Good morning to you, Robert. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God. I am alive, and that counts. Yes, indeed it does. <laughs> How are you, sir? Just great. Thank God. You know, just the other day, I was uh, I reported the story of uh, this gentleman in the UK who uh, blew himself up in a taxi cab. And, uh, you know, it was just like every other news story that I was trying to follow that day. I saw the headline, and it seemed pretty innocuous at first. And, uh, and then I remember seeing, wait, hold on, this guy converted to Christianity? Why is he blowing himself up in front of a hospital? I mean, these questions began to ruminate my mind. And then I began to see articles such as the one you have on your website. You have actually, I think, three different ones over at jihadwatch.org. And uh, here's one of the titles, Did a Christian Just Blow Himself Up for Jesus? And then I saw other outlets starting to say uh, there are fake conversions going on in the U.K., to make it easier for certain people to come into the country. Can you tell us what is going on? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Joe. In the first place, a lot is being made of the suicide bombers' conversion to Christianity by Islamic apologists who want to claim that all religions are equally capable of inspiring their adherence to violence, and this is proof because this fellow converted. However, the Reverend Pete Wilcox at the Liverpool Anglican Cathedral, where the jihad bomber actually did convert to Christianity, says that there has there was not a single applicant for conversion. That is, not a single person came who was a Muslim who wanted to become a Christian who had already become a British citizen. Every one of them was an asylum seeker. And so it's very clear that they were using the conversion to Christianity to try to strengthen their case because conversion away from Islam, leaving Islam for any other religion or even atheism is a capital offense in Islamic law. And so they could argue if they converted to Christianity that they couldn't possibly be sent home and mm. have their asylum application rejected because then they would be killed. Wow. Is there any sense of how many people are in this category? Uh, it's very hard to tell because some of them may be sincere converts, but we're likely talking about thousands of people. Uh, this is something that the Liverpool Anglican Cathedral itself has said, that they have had all kinds of people come in who want to convert from Islam to Christianity. And nobody ever seems to have noticed until now that every last one of them was an asylum seeker. If they were genuine converts, you would think that you would have some who had already attained their citizenship in that group. It's, it's kind of a crazy story. It reminds us of the Reconquista of Spain. This was a problem they were facing, uh, and part of the reason why they had uh, the court set up there uh, to to help them figure out who was friend and who was foe. Now, what is the? I'm, I'm not an Anglican, so I don't. I never looked into it. What is the process to become a Christian through through the Anglican uh, community? There, do, do they have do they have like an RCIA program? I saw one report say he had gone through the Alpha program. We all know how great that is. Uh, so, did do they have like an RCA vetting process that they would go through? Well, that's what's kind of ironic about it. Of course, I'm not an Anglican either, but of course, the Anglican Church is famous for not really believing in anything or believing in essentially the Democratic Party platform at prayer. And so the idea that there's some kind of serious instruction in Christianity that these people get, 
I, I'm not familiar with it in detail, but I would be surprised if it contained any real bite or any actual substance. Do you think that the Anglican clergy knew that this type of thing was happening and were cooperating with it? Yeah, I think that that's very likely. Uh, it's a scandal that is not only in Britain, but in the United States as well. And that is that many Christian organizations uh, have been pressing their governments to bring in more refugees because they are at the forefront of the refugee resettlement process. They get millions of dollars, sometimes even hundreds of millions of dollars to participate in this refugee resettlement. And so they have every reason to go along with something like this, even if they know that it's a charade. That's a pretty big scandal, I'd say. I mean, this oh, yeah. guy was going to go blow up the <clears throat> cathedral where he supposedly become Christian. And if it wasn't for a traffic jam, he, that would have happened. And what about this taxi cab driver? I think he's pretty heroic. Yeah, that's extraordinary. He, he is the one who pre prevented this from being a mass casualty event. He locked the doors of the cab so that the killer could only blow himself up inside the cab. Miraculously, the driver himself survived. He, the footage shows him running out of the cab right after he blew up. You know, also, it must also be noted that it's possible, it's, it's just within the realm of possibility, that this was a real conversion, and that later he fell under the influence of Islamic jihadis who told him that he had sinned gravely against Allah by converting to Christianity, because as I noted, it's a capital offense in Islamic law, and told him that the only way he could atone for it would be to carry out something of this kind, because there's nothing greater than jihad, according to Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, and the Quran guarantees paradise in chapter 9, verse 111, to those who kill and are killed for Allah. And so a suicide bombing can atone for a great many sins in the Islamic framework. If you blow yourself up and you kill some infidels, then that guarantees you a place in paradise no matter what you've done. So even if you've done something so terrible as to convert to Christianity, you'll still get in. Well, that further complicates things, doesn't it? Because how do you, again, how do you sort out uh, friend from foe? If How do you, I mean, the goal is conversion. I mean, I'm putting the Anglican issue aside for a second. The goal of our church is to convert uh, the whole world. That's the commandment of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and so you want to do that. You want to believe their sincerity. Uh, do we need another Inquisition? Well, uh, that's, a, that's a tough question because, you, of course— We've got a minute to break. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a loaded issue. I wouldn't say that. But I would say that we have to be aware of the fact that another statement attributed to Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, is war is deceit. And we have to, be, have to understand that the deceit that we can face from uh, Muslims claiming that they want to convert can be quite skillful and sophisticated to an extent that Westerners are not generally prepared to deal with. Hold that thought. Robert Spencer's our guest. JihadWatch.org is his website. We're having a conversation around this uh, storyline coming out of the UK about fake conversions, possibly. We're going to continue that right on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, The Catholic Church is too condemning. It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says, The other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. 
The Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. And the Church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils that are condoned by the state. Why? Because sooner or later, it'll be turned against the Church. History has shown this to be true more than once. Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Tribe Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Robert Spencer is our guest. JihadWatch.org is his website. And he's got a series of articles over there related to our topic today about this guy who blew himself up in a taxi cab. Uh, His intent was to go to the cathedral where he converted to Christianity, uh, but due to traffic jam, he got stuck uh, in front of a hospital. And due to the heroic, quick thinking of the taxi cab driver, David Perry, he was locked in the cab and was able to limit the damage uh, from this person. Uh, Robert, welcome back to the show. Uh, Before the break, you you mentioned how the Quran teaches that war is deceit. can you speak to that again? Because I, I find like this is a, a, a troubling issue in modern society, especially in a society that has div- divested itself of its uh, religious beliefs, Christian religious beliefs. In, in the UK in particular, I'm thinking about. How, how is it possible they could deal with these issues? And they have a growing number of Muslim immigrants in their, in their country. How are they going to deal with this? And what does the Quran actually say that they're capable of? Well, I just want to, I should note in the first place, it's not actually the Quran. It's a hadith of Muhammad. Oh, thanks uh, for clarifying. Muhammad's words and deeds, which uh, says, he says exactly that, war is deceit. In another hadith, he clarifies it to say that uh, lying is never permitted except in cases of wartime and in uh, matters between a husband and a wife. Now, uh, The question of wartime is something that a lot of people in the West misunderstand nowadays because they say, well, you know, the immigrants, they're not at war with the West. But actually, the immigrants themselves may consider that they are because chapter 4, verse 100 of the Quran promises uh, great rewards from Allah for those who emigrate for the sake of Allah, which doesn't just mean to move to a new place, but to move to a new place and to bring Islam to it that that promises great rewards. Now, the idea that this could be happening on a large scale in Britain is something that British authorities are resolutely determined to ignore or deny, Uh, just like authorities actually all over the West. They never have looked into Islamic theology and Islamic teachings in order to try to understand the mindset of many of the people who are coming. And that's foolish in the extreme, because while obviously not all of them are serious Muslims who are acting in accord with the teachings of Islam. It cannot be discounted or assumed that none of them are. Mm -hmm. So what can England do 
I mean, what are they capable of? Are they willing to do anything? And if so, what could they do to help stem the tide of these types of terrorist activity? Well, what England would have to do is go into the mosques and monitor what's being taught there. They don't want to do that, of course. They uh, would have to conduct surveillance in Islamic communities to an extent that they don't want to do. They want to pretend that uh, Islam is perfectly compatible, that is Islamic law, which is a political and social system and not just a religious code. They want to pretend that it's completely compatible with Western values. Since that is manifestly not the case, hmm. it denies the freedom of speech, denies equality of rights of women, criminalizes leaving the religion and many, many other things that contradict our own systems of laws in the West. But because they want to pretend that there's no problem, they can't address it properly. Actually, the problem would go a long way toward being solved if they simply enforced their own laws consistently among all the people there in Britain. What I mean by that is this. There are Sharia courts all over Britain now. And if a woman is beaten by her husband, she goes to the Sharia court and the Sharia court says, well, the Quran allows this. So you just have to go home and try to please him more ardently. Wow. Whereas in the, in the criminal courts, obviously, this would be a prosecutable offense. But there are now essentially two systems of law in Britain. And that's what causes a lot of the problem. If they closed the Sharia courts and enforced the same law for all people, a lot of this would go away. Wait, so do are they uh, so I'm kind of figure out because we mentioned earlier about perhaps they they converted and they have been uh, they've been told that you got to do this in order to uh, come back or you're not going to or you're going to be a we're going to kill you essentially is kind of the idea behind it. Is it possible that they were pretending to be Christians when they're not really Christians to begin with? Like they never believed to begin with and they were just, you know, rejecting, uh, trying to deceive in order to uh, to blow up a church? Yes, that's very possible. Uh, what's more likely, though, in most of the cases is that they were, just as you're describing, deceiving and not really converting sincerely, but only in order to gain asylum. Because they could argue that because apostasy is a capital offense in Islamic law, I could be killed if I go home, so you have to allow me to stay here. Mm. And that seems to be what most of them do. Actually, some of them also say that they're gay for the same reason. And then they become heterosexual again after they gain asylum. <laughs> it's the same thing. This that- fellow in particular actually was seen, it just came out this morning, at the mosque. He went to the mosque and was in the mosque, it said, all day, every day, all during Ramadan, and then also in the run-up to this attack. And so it's very clear that he either never left Islam at all and was deceiving in order to gain asylum, or that he reverted back to Islam, whether freely or under pressure from people who were saying, we're going to kill you if you don't. You know, this is interesting to me because, you know, in the, in the Christian tradition, especially in the Thomistic tradition, it is, uh, it's very clear that we can never sin. Like, there's never a situation where you can sin. Now, obviously, there are some theologians who would disagree with that and may try to make uh, nuances there. But in the Thomistic position, even, like, jocose lies and things like that, compliments that are lying, is wrong. Um, so how does, it, how does the Islamic faith able to say lying is wrong? Well, except whenever, uh, whenever we, it benefits us. Well, it's the, actually, that is the key right there. You put your finger on the key to the moral code of Islam, and that is whatever is good for Islam and advances Islam is morally good. And so Islam superficially has the moral code of Christianity 
That is, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, and so on and so on. However, every one of those has caveats based on what's good for Islam. And so if you are lying, then it's wrong. But if you are lying in a way that benefits Islam, then that's fine. And so he can lie and say he converted to Christianity, or any given Muslim in Britain can lie and say they converted to Christianity so that they can get into Britain legally and then spread Islam there. Just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I finished a novel, not a novel, but a book on the 16th century and the sea battles between the Ottoman Empire and Europe. And and uh, I love history, so I like going through books just like that. And and it reminded me of the great struggle. Well, right now, we're not seeing great sea battles, but we are seeing mass immigration across the whole world. I, we just interviewed Joshua Phillips from Epic Times about his uh, journalistic investigation into the U.N. pushing the immigrants coming across the American southern border and how they were manipulating these asylum laws and, and all of these release into the U.S. laws and all of that. Um, in Europe, we're seeing these troubles in the U.K. Is uh, Poland the only country holding out? Or what is the current status of countries in Europe that used to be Christian that are, that are struggling with this issue? Poland, Hungary, very much so. Uh, the Czech Republic to a lesser degree. Uh, Central Europe is doing much better than Western Europe in holding out on this. But you're absolutely right. Mass migration is the primary means of jihad at this point. It's, uh, it's extraordinary because it's something that is, would only be possible and is only possible because of the fact that the West is ruled by globalist, socialist, internationalist leaders who want to bring in all these people into the country and dilute the native culture and heritage and society. And so uh, this is something that's happening. They are aiding and abetting the jihad without uh, caring. I think they realize what they're doing, but this is something that they simply don't care about. It's, uh, you know, you, you mentioned history, and I uh, wrote a book a few years back called The History of Jihad, which is a one-volume sweeping history of the whole 1,400 years of the struggle, and I called the last chapter, The West Loses the Will to Live, mm. because after all a centuries of resistance in Europe, now suddenly the European countries are opening the gates and bringing in large numbers of people, among whom there are many who believe they are coming there in order to Islamize the country. You know, going back to the 16th century, France didn't want to cooperate in the Holy League because of their cooperation with the Ottoman Empire, having trade deals. And it seems to me like Europe has lost its memory of its own its own history. Tens of thousands of people were abducted from the coastlines of France and Spain and Italy and put into galley slave trades and, and slave trade markets back in, in Turkey. And, and they have forgotten the bloodshed and the mass uh, casualties that happened during that one century alone. Do you see a time where some of these countries might wake up and remember and take an action? Is it possible for a, a sort of a reconquista of sorts in some of these places? Well, you're right. The historical amnesia is extraordinary. There are people who are awake all over the continent, and yet they are being stigmatized and demonized and silenced as Islamophobes. As a matter of fact, there is a very popular gentleman in France, Eric Zemmour, who is going on trial right now for hate speech because mm. he has warned about the history in regard to Europe and Islam and the dangers of mass Muslim migration into France. And yet everything he's saying is true and accurate and it's historically sound, but the French authorities don't want to hear that right now. Wow. 
Wow, I am uh, sorry to hear that, actually. Um, well, there, there's, there's at least three articles, I would say, for sure, that you that are on this very topic. Do you have, I think you might, I don't know if you have any more, but I'm looking at at least three articles over on jihadwatch.org related to this topic, but I also saw this being addressed in other outlets as well, but check it out, jihadwatch.org, Robert Spencer. We're very grateful to you for your time today. Thank you for being on with us again. Thank you. Always a pleasure. All right. Praise be to God. That's uh, jihadwatch.org. And that's going to do it for hour number one. I wanted to mention that today is the day that I send out the email to the CDT Insider list. So make sure you're on the email list. I'll send it out sometime this afternoon or tonight. And you can do that by going to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, to join our email list and to receive those. Make sure we're not in your spam buff folder, by the way. Uh, but every Thursday, I send out a, an email and I try to include some unique and interesting content that we don't share otherwise in the email list. And you can, again, sign up for that at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. If you can join us in the next hour, we would love to have you. Of course, we're going to have our a game show, Fear and Trembling. Prizes are at stake. Three more opportunities to get into the prize pack. Plus, I have a good news story to share with you. Praise be to Jesus coming out of Afghanistan. And then we'll have an after show where we conversate with you about whatever you want. All that's coming up next hour for those of you that are able to join us. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. God love you. 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a literal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of Scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of Scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of Scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation. Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside, in order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. 
a beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It's Thursday. You're, you're almost there. Okay, you are one day away from your weekend. You can do this. You got this. It's going to be a great day. Praise be to God. We just wrapped up a, a, a good conversation with Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch, talking about the story out of the UK about uh, fake conversions. Kind of crazy. Remind me a lot of the Reconquista in Spain. But uh, we'll be posting that on our, uh, our social feeds, I suppose, at some point in the near future. You can find all those linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But you can also listen to the podcast there as well as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, even our mobile app. Do you know about our GRN mobile app? You can search for the Guadalupe Radio Network app in your iOS and your Android store. And that'll get you uh, not only the ability to listen to your local GRN radio station live uh, 24-7, clear as crystal, by the way, but you can also go to the flyout and listen to podcasts of your GRN shows to include Catholic Drive Time. It's all right there in your mobile app. So make sure to download your GRN mobile app today. But we are going to have fun this hour. Praise be to God. I have a good news story coming out of Afghanistan. I can't wait to share with share it with you. That's coming up here in a moment. And then, of course, we have the Saint of the Day. Gospel of the Day. We'll hopefully get a little reflection in for you. And then we will play our game Fear and Trembling. We'll have three new opportunities to get into the draw the, the prize pack this week, the drawing that happens on Friday, where God's holy will, his divine providence, is is pulled out and uh, a winner is declared live on the radio. Could be one of you. It could be you. All right. You could win today, but you do have to be our caller at the appropriate time. I will give you the phone number when the time comes, but if you want to give yourself a little bit of a leg up, go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can find the uh, link to the Fear and Trembling Game Show, and you can get the rules. You can get the phone number. You can call in early. You can sit on hold. It's all right there, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Speaking of rules and regulations, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Is it? Yes, sir. Absolutely. In spite of it all. Praise be to God. It's a good day. It's a good day to uh, play the game show. And it's a good day to uh, hear about the Mohammedan invasion of Europe. <laughs> Is it? Yep. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> okay, contradictory in terms, but okay, D- sure. Despite in spite the Mohammedan invasion. In spite of it despite all. Despite of the Mohammedan invasion of Europe, is it, it's still good to be here. All right, well, praise be to God. We're going to have a fun time anyway today, nonetheless. Uh, always in the second half of the hour, we do a what's we, like an after show. I was going to say what's concerning us. That's the first hour. Uh, after show. What do we do in the after show, Adrian? Oh, we chat about everything and anything. Um, what did we talk about yesterday? And trying to think about what and we talk about. People don't comment. What happens? Well, we usually talk about food, and? which is a pro- which is a problem. You know, I'm kind of got to talk about that, and uh, <laughs> then we talk about a lot of TV shows and movies. Food and movies. That's the rules. Uh, so if you don't want to talk about food and movies, then you have to comment. And uh, change the subject. Yeah, just just <laughs> constantly put questions in so we don't get to talk about food and movies. <laughs> food, food or movies. All right, praise be to God. We have a lot to cover today, though. Uh, if you like the headline news, if you like the hard-hitting headline news, you really do need to tune into the first hour of Catholic Drive Time, where we cover those stories. We certainly did that last hour. Uh, but in this hour, we like to do something a little bit more upbeat, a little bit more inspirational. And I do think I have a, an inspirational story, praise be to God. Uh, one I think we will all appreciate. That's coming up here in a moment. But we want to pray for your intentions. And yesterday, we had a friend of Catholic Radio come through and deliver pizza. That was kind of cool. Mm, uh, food. We like it when he shows up because he always brings pizza with him. And uh, he asked us to pray for his son. And so we're going to be praying for him today, of course. We're going to be praying for all of your intentions, dear listeners, plus the conversion of sinners around the world for a restoration to fidelity to Holy Mother Church and to her mission to save souls, especially among the hierarchy and the clergy and in my home and in your home, too. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your good news story for today. This is coming out of aladia.org. Missionaries of Charity evacuated 14 disabled orphans from Kabul. Praise be to God. Among the 270 pastors arriving this past August the 25th, 14 children and young adults in wheelchairs were the first to walk through the doors of the airport terminal number five there in Italy. They were between six and 20 years old and disabled, bright-eyed and full of curiosity. They waited while nurses took their temperature. Beside them were their guardian angels, dressed in white and blue tunics. Five nuns from the Missionaries of Charity, the order founded by Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Since May 2006, their community has been present in Afghanistan, where the sisters have been running an orphanage located in Kabul. There, they have been taking care of disabled children, abandoned by their parents and society. But with the arrival of the Taliban, the nuns had to abandon everything. Leaving behind 15 years of missionary work with the poorest of the poor, it was heartbreaking. Quote, our center no longer exists. It has been closed. We're devastated. Everything is over. There is no hope in Kabul. Unquote, said Sister Hosea, 33 years old, originally from Madagascar. 
Although they closed their orphanage with a heavy heart, there was no question of them abandoning the children. Together with the only active priest in Afghanistan, Italian father Giovanni Scalise, they managed to get them on the evacuation list. Quote, I could never have returned to Italy without these children. We couldn't leave them here, unquote. Uh, the Barnabite missionary told La Repubblica at the Rome airport, exhausted and with his Roman collar open, the priest sat next to the sisters, themselves surrounded by the children who laughed and smiled. A new life was beginning for them. The five nuns and their children, 11 girls and three boys, are now staying at a Missionaries of Charity Center in a, a suburb of Rome. It's a real revolution, a nun at the center told said, which had to rethink its logistics, they told the Vatican News. These children also gave us tenderness, relationships in a different way than we think. They need us to relate to them, and they give us the capacity to love. They expand our hearts to be able to love more. She explains before adding that, quote, it's the daily gestures of care that give unsuspected winds of joy and comfort. Praise be to God. That is good news indeed. The saint of the day is, I cheated and picked two saints of the day, but don't worry, they're related. Saint Romanus and Barula. In 303 or 304, at the beginning of the Diocletian persecution, a deacon called Romanus of Caesarea in Palestine suffered martyrdom at Antioch. Upon the proclamation of Diocletian's edict, he strengthened the Christians of Antioch and openly exhorted the weaker brethren who were willing to offer heathen sacrifices not to wither in the faith. He was taken prisoner and was condemned to death by fire and was bound to the stake. However, as the emperor Galerius was then in Antioch, Romanus was brought before him. As the emperor's command, the tongue of the courageous confessor was cut out. He was then tortured in various ways in prison, and he was finally strangled to death. St. Barulas, who was a child in the crowd of people who witnessed the torture of St. Romanus, Christ's holy martyr told, told him that the boy was wiser than he was, because he knew the true God, while the Aparch did not. He asked the boy what gods he worshipped, and he replied that he worshipped Christ. He said, your gods are demons. The child stated, and they have not created anything. With these and other words, the young child put the idolaters to shame, seeing that he could not convince St. Barolos to worship the false gods. He had the boy tortured. His mother stood by, encouraging him to remain faithful to his savior, saying, quote, do not be afraid of death, my son. She told him, you shall not die, but shall live forever. When you are beheaded, you will behold Christ's glory, and you will dwell with him in unspeakable joy. After the child was executed, his mother took his body and buried it, rejoicing because he had shed his blood for Christ. They died in 304 AD. St. Romanus and Barula pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. As Jesus drew near Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If this day you only knew what makes for peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days are coming upon you when your enemies will raise a palisade against you. They will encircle you and hem you in on all sides. They will smash you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another within you, because you did not recognize the time 
of your visitation. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Really encourage you to read Saint, or not Saint, Josephus's Jewish Wars, especially Book Five, on the destruction of Jerusalem. It's our, one of our primary sources on that event in 70 A.D. And our Lord was here, was hinting at what was to come. If only they knew how horrible it was going to be, but they didn't, unfortunately. Uh, mystically, St. Gregory the Great says, Christ continues to weep for sinners who, like Jerusalem, run after evil and refuse to make peace with God. Did you catch that? He goes on to say, their sins hide from their eyes the judgment that is coming. Otherwise, they would weep for themselves. When it arrives, demons will besiege the soul, and the Lord will visit them with his dreadful punishment. Let us not run after evil. Let us not refuse to make peace with God. Let us not make excuses for our sins, but let us run rather to the confession and accuse ourselves and receive grace and forgiveness and mercy. Adrian, what did you find? Yeah, I have uh, been blessed to be able actually to go to the site where our Lord wept over the city. And when you look outside the window, they have a, they built a church there with a massive window so you can look out over the city. And when you look out over the city, you just, you can see everything. You can see everything that's going on around the, around the city. You see the people walking around and you can really understand what our Lord was thinking here when he was saying, when he looks over the city and starts weeping over the city. Now, why did he weep? Uh, Cornelius Lapide makes the point and says, well, he says in a later place that blessed are they that mourn and therefore he wept because our Lord is the perfect in, in the Beatitudes, right? And because he's perfect in the Beatitudes, he weeps over the city. Now, why does he weep though? Well, the question of why he weeps becomes very clear when you think about what was the situation here. Cornelius Lapide says he wept as well over the blindness, obduracy, and ingratitude of the people of Jerusalem because they would not receive him as their Messiah and Savior. And he said, as for the vengeance of God towards them and the destruction of their nations. And this is very sad because our Lord desires that they be saved. He desires that they come to him, that, they may, that he may bring them to everlasting life. And the idea that these people who he loves so much will reject him and end up damned, he causes him to weep over them. And so what does he say here? Corus Lapide goes on in a later uh, commentary in verse 42 and says that he's like, he comes out and he says, what's up with this? I've healed the lepers. I've healed your sick. I've healed those that were possessed. I've restored the dead to life. And yet the daughters of Jerusalem, why does thou not return the love of one who so loves thee? But instead you scorn and you destroy him as an enemy. And here's where it hits really hard. Cornelius Lapide says, it will come, it will come shortly that the great day of the Lord in which thou will too late confess thy unbelief and lament thy blindness. This is huge because what is our Lord saying here? He's saying at the last judgment, when you see the judgment seat of God, well, then you will repent. Then you will be like, oh no, oh yeah, yeah, I, I totally believe now. And people, atheists will often talk about, you know, oh, well, I guess we'll find out when we die, if I'm right or wrong. That's too late. You will not be able. It'll be too late to confess your unbelief and to lament your blindness. And so I think uh, we should be worried about that. We should think about the perseverance of souls and be like St. Dominic and weep over the lost souls. We need to weep over those who will be damned. Yay and amen. All right. Praise be to God. It is time to play our game. 
Fear and Trembling Catholic Trivia Game Show, where prizes are at stake and you could win. It's uh, not all that hard, actually, and your chances are very good. But what you need to do is make a phone call. The phone lines are open. We are ready for your call now. Call 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open. Fear and Trembling is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired and fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So praise be to God. I will only tell you my secrets on one condition. You don't tell anybody else. Okay, you can't spread. No, don't do it. If you promise that, then I'll tell you that we do like to do a few things secretly and behind the scenes. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions. Or you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. That's always a good thing. And then, of course, we like to have fun and laugh with our callers. And they always tend to be very good sports. They laugh with us. We really enjoy uh, them being on the program. And then we give out prizes, which kind of makes it a winner for everybody involved. So praise be to God. But if you are new here, okay, for your benefit, here's the deal. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. 
but I do not ask the caller the question. They don't need to know the answers, and they could still win the game. And the reason why is because instead of asking them, I'm going to ask David, and I'm going to ask Adrian, and one of them will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. And then every right answer, that well, the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? And every right, right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. So praise be to God for that. Hey, good morning to you, David. Good morning, Joe. How you doing? Praise be to God, I am alive. Yeah. And so, that counts? Yeah, that's good. So uh, I got my first cup of coffee, so I think I'm ready. You're ready. I All think right. so. Praise so, be to Jesus uh, for that. Hey, you know, the prize sponsor this week is from JanuaryJaneShop.com. That's JanuaryJaneShop.com. They've given us a pretty cool prize pack this week. Uh, you know how you have these uh, these images of saints, right? And like icons and, and pictures and such. We, we put them all over our house. Uh, but they've done something cool. They've done a little retro decorative touch to them. They've taken these uh, these images and they made this uh, Polaroid pack of them. So these are like a, an old school retro look that you can t- decorate your home with. Praise be to God. It's a pack of 12 vintage style prints of modern Catholic saints with their birth names written in calligraphy. And they've also, in addition to that, given us a nativity folk print, uh, 8 by 10 original watercolor painting by Jana Zuniga printed on 100 pound linen paper. So all of that is the prize pack this week by JanuaryJaneShop.com. And we'll be giving that away tomorrow. So praise be to God for that. All right. Let's go to the phone. Say, uh, Mr. Jude, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Mr. Joe. How are you today? Praise be to God. I am alive. How are you? I'm not that day in paradise. <laughs> in para- well, from your lips to God's ears, sir. Uh, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Houston, Texas. Woo! Houston, Texas. H Town, hold it down, as they say. <laughs> Turn around, don't they- drown. Turn around, don't drown. <laughs> Get down, Pasadena. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, please, Joe, where is, where is your, the other lady? I'm, I'm the other, where, where, where did she is no longer on the team. Uh, she was uh, she was on here temporarily, and she her last day was a couple of weeks ago. But we are starting a new person on Monday, by the way, named Rudy. Rudy uh, Carlos is going to be on our program on Monday for the first time. So praise be to God for that. But Jude, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to church to uh, St. Francis Cabrini. Oh, that's where I was baptized. St. Francis All Cabrini. Right. This is like the second Cabrini caller we've had in like a month i think uh no it's been a while since we had a cabrini caller are you sure Mm -hmm. i thought we just said that a couple weeks ago anyway (laughs) mr jude we're grateful you are here are you familiar with the rules yes i am mr joe yeah now do do you have any opinions of the trickiness of either david or adrian uh david is is getting the trickiness more than David, than Edgar. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with that statement. I, however, am on your side. I'm here to advocate for you and your benefits. So let's play the game and see if we can't get you in this cup, sir. Are you ready to go? Yes, I am. All right, David, we will start with yeah. you, as is our custom. David, are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Are you sure? Um, uh, 50%. Are you sure? 75 now. <laughs> David, what profession of faith was composed... At the Council of Nicaea. Okay, so uh, 
Joe, I know this one. Uh, you, you said the Council of Nicaea. Yes. All right, so that's the key word right there. Is it? Yes. Okay. Not council, but Nicaea is the key word. Is it? Yeah, so Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed. I hope I said that right. Nicene Creed. Nicene Creed, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. It, it sounds perfectly reasonable. My final answer. Let's go with Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me, that's me. what profession of faith was composed at the Council of Nicaea. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that one. You do? I do. Praise God. Mm-hmm. I'll All just right. take my word for it, though. Just go with me. Uh, is that your answer? Go with me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. It's the Ambrosian Creed. The Ambrosian Creed. Mm-hmm. Ambrosian. Written wow. by St. Ambrose. I like St. Ah. Ambrose. Uh, good man, St. Ambrose. Good stuff. E- excommunicated an emperor. I love it. Praise good stuff, God. you know? Okay. Uh, Need more of that. Here's the deal, Mr. Jude. Adrian seems to think it was the Ambrosian Creed, whereas David says that the profession of faith that was composed at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD was the Nicaean Creed. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mr. Jude, what say you? Yeah, Nicaean Creed. That is, I'm going with the. Uh, uh, David? Okay, okay. Let's uh, see. Survey says. Yes, got it. Ambrosian Creed. Yeah. Is there Not really an, a thing. Is there Ambrosian Creed? No, but no. there's an Athanasian Creed. I know, right? <laughs> there's amb- there's Ambrosian chant. Yes. And they sure. sing the uh, Apostles' Creed in Ambrosian chant. St. Ambrose. Oh, he was so good. Praise be to God. I make Milan great again. That's what I say. All right, Mr. Jude, you, well done, sir. Well done. You are in the cup. That was a pretty easy question, right? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, the next question is going to be a little Easiest tricky. question. I'm going to be honest with you, Mr. Jude. The, I don't. Okay. I do not pick the questions. In all honesty, and this next question is going to be the hardest. I think of all all of them. Maybe. All okay. right. Here we go. Uh, we got to listen carefully. Adrian, uh, that's me. Can you tell me? Fonseca Mafia. What? What? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, Adrian, can you name name the instrument? With a handle and a hollow container used to sprinkle holy water during liturgical ceremonies, blessings, or consecrations. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> An instrument. An instrument. So, like, not like a violin. You said like a uh, yeah. a container. Yeah. Sprinkle holy water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's an aspergillium. Kazuntite. Uh, I'm sorry, what was, your, what was your answer? Aspergillium. Gesundheit. What was your answer? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> An aspergillium? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's word. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, let's see what David says. David, can you tell me? Name, rather, name for me the instrument with a handle and a hollow container used to sprinkle holy water during liturgical ceremonies, uh, blessings, or consecrations. Okay. Uh, thinking of Easter time, maybe? Yeah, I think I, I might have seen this at Easter time. Yeah, I mean, this one's kind of tough. Uh, it's tough, but uh, I'm also kind of going with, uh, it starts with the letter A. Okay. Aspersorium. Aspersorium. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, just a little morning allergy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's that it, time of the year, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, Did you say aspersorium? Yes. Uh-huh. Aspersorium. Aspersorium. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's common. Uh, is I, it I mean, it's, a lot is of people it? know about this. It, it, oh, do they? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ask, ask your, uh, <laughs> uh, your priest I, I, next time. I'm going to do that. Okay. <laughs> okay, Mr. Jude. 
see if I can yes, cr- create clarity here for you. Uh, Mr. David seems to think it's called an aspers. What'd you call it? Aspersorium. An aspersorium. Whereas Mr. Uh, Adrian over here seems to think it's called an aspergillium. I might need an aspirin after all this is done. Fifteen <laughs> seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you, Mr. Jude? Mr. Adrian, Aspergillium. Aspergillium survey says. Woo! Got it. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Very impressed, Very Mr. Impressed. Jude. Wow. Duh. Yeah, that was great. You're in for two. Praise be to God. Let's see if we can't get you in All there right. for three, though. I think uh, this one could be tricky. It's possible. It's possible. Uh, David, we're going to start with you again this time. What is the term for feasts given fixed days in the church calendar? The term for feast given fixed days in the church calendar. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think I know this one. Uh, it's immovable feast. It seems like reasonable. They're they're not moving. They're they're fixed. They're fixed. Okay. Uh, I know. So an engineer wrote this one. Really? Yeah. I mean, he said, you know, must be, must be. You know, just said, hey, just call it immovable. <laughs> okay. It's it's not going to move. Uh, it's it immovable. Immovable. Okay. Let's see. Uh, just Genius. for just for Genius. just for a second opinion. Let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me, or rather, can you give to me the term for feast for feast days? Given fixed days in the church calendar, that would be a standard feast. A standard standard. Feast. Mm-hmm. Is it standing? Is that the angle? Mm, no, mm. not quite. But you know, that's fine if you want to think about it that way. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Mr. Jude, here's the deal. Adrian says they are called standard feasts, whereas David says they are called immovable feasts. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mr. Jude, what say you? Yeah, standard. What is it? Oh! Standard, he said. I'm so Two for three, though, is not bad. Sorry, yeah. Mr. Jude. Uh, two for fact, three. It's called a movable feast. Okay. But you're in for two, Mr. Jude. You did great. Praise be to God. I'm so sorry about that third curveball, little right corner. But it still may be God's will that you win on uh, tomorrow, actually. So tune in tomorrow. We'd love to have you. Uh, possibly have your name pulled out of that cup. Uh, but God love you. Thank you for playing the game today. I'm going to put you on hold, and uh, maybe we can take your question in the after show. But uh, God love you. That's going to do it for today's radio side of our Catholic Drive Time. If you can, join us in the after show. We'd love to have you. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, we hang out on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey, and even LinkedIn, and our website. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Tricky David. Ah, showing his trickiness skills. He's really trying to compete with you, Adrian. I think so. I mean, he wants to, he wants the title, I think. I was impressed. You know. Aspasorium. Yeah. You know what an aspasorium is? Let me know in the comments.
If you know what an aspersorium is. Right, we won't give it away then. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll tease it a little I'm bit. I'm curious if anybody knows what that is. Yeah. That, it's a real thing. He didn't make that up. I was like, huh? That's pretty good. That's pretty. That's pretty. <laughs> that threw me for a loop. I'm like, I didn't expect something so technical to come out of me. <laughs> yeah, I was thought he was going to be completely left field, <laughs> know, and then right? it was like super technical <laughs> and uh, actually like not that wrong. I was like, wow, huh? There we go. <laughs> it threw me for a loop. It's funny, man. Aspersorium. Okay. Well, there you go. Praise be to God. Good morning, everybody. You know the rules. Uh, if you're hanging out with us today, either you comment or we talk about <laughs> movies or food. Mike said, Mike said, David, that is what I had after dad gave me my just do when I misbehaved, an asposorium. <laughs> That's like a great dad joke right there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to save that one. <laughs> Ouch. That's, that's good. That's Dang. good stuff right there. <laughs> Dang. That one's rough. Anyway, praise be to God. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. We called it the holy water wand. <laughs> for the aspergillium. That's good. Praise Jesus. That's funny. Sing it, Adrian. What were you singing? Ambrosian chant, but I, I can't sing Ambrosian chant. I don't know it. Oh, I, I see. I see. Uh, it's, uh, it's very different from um, Roman chant and... I can't. Yeah, I just I don't know anything about Ambrosian chant. Um, ugh, it my, sounds super cool though. Does it now? Mm-hmm. Uh, he could have answered Sanctus <laughs> Sanctus Bucatus. Sanctus <laughs> Bucatus. That's good too, man. As that would have been a funny one. I would I would have laughed pretty good at that. That'd have been hilarious. Sanctus Bucatus. We're all making fun of your uh, your your very uh, succinct and technical answer there, David. Which one? Uh, the, uh, the which one? Aspersorium. You, you didn't like. You do like it. I, Good stuff. I, I just you threw me for. I didn't expect that. I didn't realize you were that uh, that that detailed in your wrong answer. I was either going to go that or the 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 sprinkly thing. The sprinkly thing. The sprinkly thing. Um, well, there were not Sanctus Bucatus. Sanctus Bucatus <laughs> was one of the suggestions. <laughs> yeah. The the holy uh, Lori the holy water wand. Do you know what that's called? Oh, that's actually called yeah. an aspergill. Can, can aspergill. Can I just say? Um, when I was in Nova Sordo, we only really got that at Easter time, Easter tide. Yeah, the sprinkling. I, that's one of the things I've loved about going into the TLM is every single I go. I, I go to the high mass. Yeah. It doesn't happen at every mass. It only happens at the high mass. Principal mass of the day. Yeah, and every time the uh, the asparagus may. I love that part. You know, to start to be blessed by the holy water by the priest who stands in persona Christi. I just love that aspect of the TLM. Among others, but in that one, it really stands out to me. So, cool. Oh, okay. Cool. I didn't know they did that. Yep. Cool question. Uh, Christopher Chan says, if Joe worded the question in a certain way, Adrian could have given us a Seventh-day Adventist conspiracy theory as the wrong answer. Wow. Awfully specific, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, what did you have in mind exactly? Golly, he was. That's hilarious. Um, Tim, who's t- Tim, are you a first-time commenter? Tim, Uh-oh. GM from Plymouth, Michigan, uh, to the best Catholic news podcast. All right, he gets a longer uh, hallelujah for saying hallelujah. Praise be to Jesus. Saying we're the best. God love you, Tim. Thank you for being here. Tim is hanging out with us on YouTube this morning. Good morning to you, Tim. Thank you for hanging out. We're very grateful to you uh, for hanging out with us today. Praise be to Jesus. Good morning. Good morning to you, Tim. Uh, best Catholic news podcast. That's the, you know, that, I like that, it. That's some I'll good take stuff, it. you know. I appreciate I, that. I'll take it too. Praise be to God. 
Uh, Paul, our friend from Buffalo, uh, he says, what is the blessed sponge from holy water depths? Like you what mean is the blessed You mean sponge? when they put a sponge in like holy water fonts? I've seen that sometimes. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there's a name other than sponge. sponge. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, my favorite thing is uh, what is the, and this was a trivia question a while ago, so everybody should, might know this already. Um, what is the chair that a bishop uses when he's not in, at his cathedral? Mm, we talked about this. Yeah, it's a faldstool, yeah. which Fold. literally is just a uh, just comes a from uh, the word meaning folding chair <laughs> yes. or folding stool. It's so uncool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like like literally it just describes exactly what it is. Like, what is a feast that doesn't move? An immovable feast. <laughs> right. It lacks creativity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fold. Fold. Fold stool. Fold stool. Yeah. We. we do, I think we use that question twice. I like that question. Yeah. That's what happens when, you know, the engineer's the only guy left in the room and they <laughs> give him an assignment. Here, <laughs> I need here, to design this. Here, uh, we need some words. Uh, well, what does it do? <laughs> yeah. It folds. Then it's a fold stool. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for the next one. <laughs> uh, Eric, good morning to you, Eric Rodriguez. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, uh, Nathal. Nathali? Mendoza, good morning to you. How do I say that correctly? Nathali? Is it Nathali or Natali? Sonia said, what is the name of the thingy that has incense in it? Mm. So the, the, the thing that has the incense in it is called a boat. And then you get the incense from the boat into the thurible. And the thurible is what actually incenses it. So you have the frankincense or myrrh or whatever, whatever kind of incense is there is first in the boat. And then the priest puts the incense into the thurible. So my wife bought me a thurible for Christmas two Christmases ago to uh, to to burn on occasion. We had the incense blessed. Mm. Well, she was trying to be crunchy, and she bought like coconut based charcoal. Mm. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> what? Keep, keep going. Because she thought it'd be like less uh, like sooty or whatever inside the house or something like that. But so uh, I tried to ignite the coconut based charcoal. What happened? And I couldn't get it going. <laughs> I was trying so hard to get this thing to light. You got to get a blowtorch. <laughs> even that would not work. <laughs> and I was so frustrated trying to get the, trying to light some of this incense. It was at that was, point just light the incense directly. It, I did actually. Yikes! It was so comical. So I'm like, okay, we can't do this. No more coconut based charcoal. So we bought the stuff that you get at the parish. Okay. Yeah. And it it lights up super easy yeah, and nice good. and very good. And it's like, look, oh, imagine this incense burning in the house. If we'd only tried this the first time. What's you know? cool, whenever the server brings up the incense to the priest in the traditional mass, he uh, br- he holds up the incense to the priest and he says, Benedicite Pate Reverende, which is, uh, uh, please bless this Holy Father or Reverend Father. And, it's, uh, and then the priest makes the blessing over the incense and then that's what's taken off. Uh, so it's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful little things. Like in the the new mass, there's no none of that. You just the, the priest just loads it and and you move on. Um, yeah. So I was going to make a joke, but uh, I don't know if I can follow that. But basically, you know, when you go to parishes, it'd be cool if they'd, if they'd ask you, "Would you like the smoking section or non-smoking <laughs> section?" <laughs> that way, because you know you're gonna you're gonna get the the incense, right? Wow. That's that's the very powerful. Depending on what parish you're at, uh, right. every section is a smoking section. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know, I was always concerned for my son, who is an altar server, uh, because he used to have uh, 
terrible breathing trouble. Mm. He was always on a, we were always having to give him breathing treatments and he was borderline asthmatic. And then we went gluten-free and that changed his life forever. Mm. So going gluten-free turned all of that around completely like 180 degrees. And uh, we always were concerned for him as he became a thurible or a thurifer rather, that uh, he would sit there and choke on that incense being so close to it. But he hasn't had any issues. And at our parish, especially I would say Father Rock, but both of them, um, they love to burn that incense. I mm. mean, like pour it on, man. Yes, and it's just billowing. You know, it's billowing smoke, and it's. It reminds me of right the, there. the Old Testament, right? The yeah. Old Testament, they, the the sacrifices, and uh, you know, God is smelling and your prayers ascending right. to heaven. Exactly, yeah. I, I love that uh, that scene. The uh, sweet smell of uh, of this uh, sacrifice to God. Yeah, Praise I've also heard that incense is actually good for you. Is it? Yeah, I have to go back and find that where I read that from, but I read somewhere that incense can actually it's actually can be good for you church incense because specifically a certain type of incense if you get cheap incense and you know it's cheap incense but if you get high quality incense it smells better and it's also i've heard good for you Hmm. Are you saying yeah. you're, you're smoking incense at your apartment with, Every the, with the batch with the batch crew? What would the Every climate day. control people say about I, this? I wonder. My wife gets nervous every time I do light the incense because, you know, fire alarms, right? You know, <laughs> so, yeah. you know one time, uh, you guys can't – maybe if you put the wide angle on, uh, Adrian, uh, we have this ginormous console, the largest radio console in Catholic radio world. Are you, are you sure? Ever. Yeah, 100%. Uh, there's no one has a console like us on planet Earth in Catholic radio. We have the largest studio, the largest console, hands down, we're number one. Can we get a plaque? For large, monstrous consoles. Okay. Just don't tell my boss she's eager to replace this thing. At any rate, <laughs> but if you can see up on the... Up on yeah, the, it looks on, good. I, we had a mass set here a couple years ago, back when I was still the general manager for the local station. I had a priest come and say uh, the traditional Latin mass here. Uh, as a part of our fundraiser dinner event, and he put the tall candles up on this console. What? Well, r- right above, put it back up, Adrian. Right above our console in the center, you can't see it in the video, but right directly above. Almost it, above uh, is a, Jesus. It's a fire alarm. It's a smoke detector and a fire alarm. And I, and yeah, soon, they can see it. As soon as, uh, as he was setting up, I'm like, oh, Father, um, <laughs> what are we going to do? He's like, I don't know. But uh, once the mass starts, I'm not stopping. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we were all like d- chewing our nails, like, "Oh, what's going to happen? How's this going to work?" Let me punch nine one one in my the phone. The worst thought was coming to mind, like the middle of mass, the fire alarm would go off, and and and, uh, and the water would start spraying. I don't even do we have water sprayers? I don't even think we do. I don't think we do. What? Yeah. Let's let's not find out. <laughs> No. <laughs> Yikes. But at any rate, it was, it's kind of hilarious. And it all worked out. The fire alarms never went off, praise be to God. Funny how that works out, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You're very welcome, Sonia. She said, thank you, Adrian the Tricky. I love the scent of church incense. Strange, but it's comforting to me. Yeah, a- it's, amen. it's very, very good. I, uh, I recommend getting some and getting it blessed by your priest. You can do that, no problem, and then burn incense in your home. That's no problem. Sounds like a good idea. Uh, Melanie yeah. said, good morning. I like David's answers. There you go. Oh, oh, hey, wow, wow. Thank you. Mike got the answer. He said the font. So that's the oh. Aspasorium. Yes. He got it. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Easy peasy. Hey, Gloria Dian Lopez is heading to H-Town today for the St. John Paul II Foundation Annual Gala. It's too bad you weren't here earlier. You could have stopped by the studio, Gloria. Or if you're going to be in town tomorrow morning, you're welcome to come by. That's H-Town, true. Vote it down. Yeah, contact us if you want. Uh, if you want to come by and hang out with it, we'd uh, love to have you for the show. Um, 
<clears throat> Let's see what else. What else is going on out oh, there? Oh, yes. Sometimes what looks like a sponge is used to sprinkle at Easter Vigil. Oh, you're talking about the hyssop branch, right? Is that what you're talking about? Sometimes what looks like a sponge is used to sprinkle at no, Easter Vigil. No, I, I think Paul's talking. I have seen this. There are. I've been in parishes where in the in the uh, the the mm-hmm. little fonts near the doors. The no, no, no. He's saying that they use to sprinkle. That would be a hiss used up. to sprinkle. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, yeah. But I I have seen in several right. places. Oh, yeah, me too. They'll put sponges in the holy water font, and I don't know why they do that. I'm not uh, sure. Maybe to keep the water, keep it from evaporating. Yeah, I don't know. Vincent, uh, are you a new commenter, Vincent? Are you brand new commenter here? Praise be to God. Uh, he says off topic, but the FDA just asked the court. <gasps> For 55 years to release the data used to approve the Pfizer vaccine in response to a FOIA request. Epic Times, how do you say <laughs> bullcrap in Latin? <laughs> Bullis crapus. I have no idea. But yeah, someone actually did text that to me uh, when I was on the air a minute ago. And I haven't had Latin? a chance to. Uh, no, no, no. The story. Oh. I haven't had a chance to, to read it. I, I can read a little bit to you if you'd like. Um, hold on. Hold on. Well, hold on. Taurus is. Uh, is Bull in Latin, Taurus, and then uh, excretum is uh, is like your excrement in uh, in Latin. So I guess it would be Taurus excrement or just excrement. Uh, So I guess it would be Taurus excrentum. I guess would be the answer. Something like that, Um, or excreta Taurus. Something like that. I don't know. Uh, Let's see here. Let me just go to. Let me go to the website. But uh, I'll read just a little bit to you. Let's see. Eric said, let's uh, X-Files theme song for the sponge and holy water fonts. Yeah. There so you go. The, uh, I'm sharing my desktop, and I'll only read just a minute of this. I won't read the whole thing. <clears throat> um, this is the Epic Times. FDA asked court for 55 years to fully release Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine data. The Food and Drug Administration asked a federal judge on November the 15th to give it until the year 2076. To fully release the documents in its possession tied to the approval of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. Why would you need 55 years? <clears throat> the FDA's request was made in a filing as a part of a FOIA lawsuit by a medical transparency group. The government told the court it has 329,000 pages of documents responsive to the FOIA request and proposed releasing 500 pages per month to allow... For redactions of exempt material, at that rate, the FTI would fully release the records in question in just a ma- in just under fifty-five years. Wow! <clears throat> you know what could be in the documents that they wouldn't they would need to redact? That's my next question. Um, golly, gee whiz! This is just medical science, is it not? What could be in the documents that are so troubling to you? Uh, did you guys see that this that the report yesterday that I was uh, that I shared about the CDC responding to another one of these types of FOIA requests? Um, they did not have any data on people who had been infected twice on COVID nineteen, which I am one, who have received who have who have uh, been infected twice with COVID nineteen and never been vaccinated. So that I, I, I'm a person of this type of characterization, never been vaccinated with COVID-19 vaccines, been infected twice. And uh, CDC has zero data on people like me who have ever transmitted COVID to another person. 
So when asked for, can you give us a list of the of the data and the people who have had uh, have never received the vaccine and had received the infection twice and have transmitted COVID to another person? They have zero data on that. Hmm. What is that supposed to mean? I don't know. And so it begs the question: Why has the CDC not released more information? According to some uh, some of these scientists, are like, well, they haven't released hardly any information on the data they have on people who have been infected. What were the comorbidities? You know, there's a lot of information they haven't released. So I think this goes to that. It's like, golly gee whiz. We're just never going to know, I suppose. I don't know. Vincent says, yes, first-time commenter. I have uh, plenty of free time now. Lost my job due to NYS mandate. I am so sorry, Vincent, Mm. for, for that. Praise be to God. I'm glad you're here. We'll be praying for God's provision for you and for your family. Um, <clears throat> you know, which begs the question, too, today... We uh, we reported it came out yesterday that uh, the federal the uh, the court the Fifth Circuit Court told the OSHA to to stop to put a stay a permanent stay on their implementation of the of the vaccine mandate order which they are doing they are no longer implementing and they are no longer mandating which means <clears throat> if you are still facing a layoff a job loss because of vax mandates. Your company is choosing to do this. It's not because the government's forcing them to do it. So that came out yesterday. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a permanent stay. Okay. And there are tons of cases, uh, lawsuits against OSHA for it, and they've all been consolidated down to one c- court. I think it's the, is it the Sixth Circuit Court in Ohio? Oh, in Ohio. Yeah. And it's a considered a conservative court. Okay. So this was like, oh, golly gee whiz, we're not going to win this one. So they, OSHA announced that they aren't going to be implementing or enforcing this now. Really? So Unless something drastically changes in the court, it's, it's a done deal. Okay. All right. But is it going to stop all of these companies from implementing their own VAX mandates? Probably uh, not. Why, why? I mean, so what's the incentive then for these companies to keep, to keep trying to do that then? That's a good question. That's a good question. You know, and ultimately... It does this is this a default win for for the Biden administration anyway? Uh, maybe. I mean, they were trying to get as many people vaccinated before the ruling came out. Exactly. Part, yeah. Right? He, they were putting pressure on all these companies to go for their own vax mandates, and even when those lawsuits came in and a stay uh, temporary injunction was put in place, Biden still announced that they should continue to do it anyway, which was in uh, defiance to the court order. Right. And he's done that a few times, yeah, if well, you've noticed that, right? Yeah. Um, but people don't really speak up or say anything about that. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how long this, this stays, right? I mean, yeah. I well, mean, Vincent points out that uh, this doesn't apply to the New York state mandate. So you got states now. They are, you know, so you had the federal level. Now you got states individually making choices. You know, I'm, I'm glad to be living in a state that doesn't have this. Right. And I'm sorry for New York. I mean, uh, I wish it wasn't the case, but I guess elections have consequences. Right, right. And uh, so on the flip side, you know, maybe maybe you can move, and uh, it's it's hard to move and pack. Just think if about you, how I know, hard that is. Though. I know, but I know it is. But if you do decide to move, use real estate for life and say Catholic Drive Time sent you. <laughs> yeah, please. Please do mention Catholic Drive Time because if you've used real estate for life, we've gotten no benefit because most people don't say Catholic Drive Time sent them, so. Just wanted to put that out there. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. The, in regards to the holy water question, so I looked it up, and apparently, so I, uh, I'm, I'm linking one source, but I've read a couple, and they all say a little bit different things about the sponges and holy water fonts. 
And it seems to me that the holy water, the sponges are for two main reasons, maybe three. Uh, one, it helps uh, the water evaporate less quickly uh, mm-hmm. because holy water, uh, water and holy water fonts evaporate very quickly. Uh, two, it helps keep it clean because the sponge soaks up like any kind of like dirt particles with people putting their fingers in. It sucks it up so the water remains clear longer. And possibly a third, I, uh, somebody was saying online that they use that sponge to clean that holy water font because you have to like it's once you if you have a sponge soaking up holy water, you can't just like throw it in the trash. Mm. So you have dedicated sponges that are for cleaning holy water fonts and dedicated buckets, too. I so, think yeah. the engineer came up with that. Yeah, probably. I, I, I think the engineer came up with all those answers. Why so. that be a chemical engineer? David, why do you always defend engineers? Is that a uh, nuclear engineer? You know, in my previous life, you know, I Aero used to do this kind space? of stuff. Aerospace engineer? Me- mechanical. I, mechanical. I, I'm noticing a trend here. You're always trying to defend engineers. He's trying to defend Somebody engineers. Somebody has to, I'm Joe. defending Dominicans. What is Joe, what is Joe doing? <laughs> I defend uh, chocolate, generally speaking. Chocolate. Oh, uh, greatest vegetable on planet Earth. I'm right. Amen, brother. It's good for your heart. Uh, uh, what else? Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Anything else? Mm, it's good for the taste buds. <laughs> it's not good for the waistline. <laughs> no, no, no. It is good for other things. Uh, Lisa, good morning to you. Lisa Leopold, praise be to God. We're glad you're here. Thank you for hanging out with us. She says schools, hospitals, and mental health agencies are getting federal money for compliance with the mandates. Yeah, mm. I know. So, But that's been an issue uh, for a very long time, right? The federal government holding hostage states to say, oh, you want some money? Oh, no problem. We'll send you some money for your roads, your bridges, your schools, all that stuff. You just have to ensure that X, Y, and Z is done. For instance, I remember uh, remember all the controversy under the Obama administration about uh, about uh, the education uh, standards that were being lowered, you know, and forcing this uh, program on schools all over the country. That comes with a caveat. If you want federal dollars, then you're going to do this. And so they're just doing what they've always done, and now it's the VAX mandate. Right. So. Right. Um, but I think, I don't know, I, it's interesting because I think states are – demonstrating that they, if they don't defend themselves, if they don't speak up and push back, it's now or never, right? So I think we're seeing a lot more of that pushback from, like, Texas and, and Florida, Florida and right. other states, of course. Um, but it's very fascinating to see this sort of debate, this national debate, over states' rights. Because, you know, there was a civil war that said, you know, one side fought for states' rights, and the other side fought to preserve the union. So... Fascinating concept, isn't it? It I mean, is. We'll see where it goes. Right. Tammy says, amen, Joe. Chocolate is God's gift to us. <laughs> Yay and amen, Tammy. I mean, that is that is wise words right there. Praise be to God. Uh, let's see. Doesn't matter what state. You're right. The federal dollars is, uh, is a definite issue. It's a way to keep states in line. And I think states are going to have to make tough choices. And I don't like the idea that our, our, especially our public school system, but even Catholic schools, they adhere to these, these guidelines. Some of them, yes. Some of them they do. Alaric, good morning to you, Alaric. Praise be to God. Glad you're here. It says, Project Veritas reports that a woman with natural antibodies passed those antibodies through the umbilical cord. Hmm. Uh, was that an older report? Because I don't like, remember that coming out recently. Um, I do kind of remember something on that anyway. Uh, let's see. Gloria, good morning to you, Gloria. She says, our college has given out over a million dollars as an incentive to students to get the vaccine. Did you guys hear right. about that crazy story out of, where was it? The Netherlands, Denmark, someplace like that? What? Brussels. 
they were offering uh, brothel services. Oh, yeah. In exchange, I don't want to say it because it's horrible. Brothel services in exchange for vaccines. Wow. Wow. Nasty people. Nasty. Wow. Oh, let's we, see. Pro, uh, Tammy said, Amen, Joe. Chocolate is God's gift to us. Uh, Alaric said, Project Veritas reports that women with natural antibodies pass those <laughs> antibodies through the umbilical cord. I think... Uh, Did you read that already? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so, that's uh, I, like, that was an echo. Sorry, I was reading something else. <laughs> I was reading something else for a second. I'm glad, um, glad you here, though, Adrian. I'm really glad. Eric yeah, yeah. said, the other day, I coffee. had someone say that marijuana was a gift from God. What a Bible verse about that. God provided the herb to cure. What say you? We have a lottery for scholarships for... Uh, and then Lisa said, we have a lottery for scholarships for kids five and older in Ohio. We ought to get... Uh, you know who we should get on talk about that? Jesse Romero. Yeah, Jesse Romero. Mm. You know, um, the one argument that comes up in my mind all the time is, is moderation, right? Um, all things in moderation... And, and appropriately used in their proper context. Right. There are, there are actual health benefits from, from cannabis, but the problem is that's not what people want. I mean, mo- what most people who are advocates for this, you know, you do see people who say, well, what about the health benefits? Yes, I agree. There are some health benefits uh, when used properly and treated properly or whatever. But a lot, most of the people are like, no, I just want to get high. Right. I just really want to get stoned. Right. And I don't want your judgment about that. That's what, kind of what it boils down to. I want I want to eat my snacks after getting stoned. I want to, you know, live a stoner's life, and I just want to be free to do that. Yeah, leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, I know. And in that case, I don't. I mean, like, I'm not with you on that. I'm sorry. I, I feel the same way about alcohol. Before, so before you ask, I don't want people to get all drunk either. Okay, because losing control of your faculties is a problem. It's a sin that leads to other sins. Right. Like you said, in moderation. Yeah, moderation. Having uh, a drink socially here and there. You know, within moderation, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, doctors say a glass of red wine is really good for your health as this, well. Do they say the size of the glass? Is it like you know, <laughs> right. 40 ounces? Or I don't know. It was a French guy. It was a French guy. Yeah, well, so, yeah. They drink a bottle a day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he, did, you know he didn't really specify. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we ought to get Jesse Romero to, to talk about that. That'd be good. Yeah, I think so too. He if wrote it, a book on it. I never read it though. But Yeah, if uh, Paul says... Uh, if it impairs our ability to pray, then avoid it. Mm. Great guideline. Yeah. Great guideline. That's why I avoid chocolate. What? What? <laughs> how does chocolate uh, help? How does chocolate impair yeah, your good ability question. to pray? How does it help us pray? It does. Huh. It, it is absolutely hmm. God's favorite vegetable on planet Earth. Hmm. Chocolate. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Keep thinking. Keep thinking. I'll let you know when I come up with something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thomas Aquinas must have spoken eloquently and frequently on, on the gift chocolate? of chocolate. Is chocolate a European uh, staple? What What is going on? Pretty sure chocolate comes from the New World, right? What is the deal here? What is is what is the uh, is look, that? I'm trying to think. What's on camera here that's causing this line in front of my my, my thing here? Uh, maybe you just broke your camera. What is that? That is so weird. There's Let's see. Chocolate. Does chocolate come from the New World? Huh. I think it does. So wild. The chocolate origins of chocolate. Anybody know the origins of chocolate? Where does it come from? I'm pretty sure chocolate comes from the New World, so I don't think Thomas was exposed to chocolate. I think uh, you're right. But being a prophet, he would, of course, spoken, you know, eloquently about mm-hmm. the gifts of chocolate upon humanity. 
Okay. Uh, it's, it's in there. The Secunda of the Secunda. Next, you're going to say that uh, that coffee, what didn't come from Mohammedans? So. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I am uh, Sci-Fi Mike said, I, uh, I keep chocolate chips in the freezer just in case. Just in case of what? <laughs> He said, I, I'm for state rights, except here in New York. In case of emergency, uh, American. In case of emergency eat chocolate. Yeah, there you go. Yes. I like this rule. Yes. You I stick, like this you got, I'm going to have a, I'm going to put a glass panel in our apartment. It's just going to be, it's going to have, a, it's going to be filled with chocolate and it's going to say, in case of emergency, break glass. All right. Right. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Jeff said, I think chocolate is from China. Clarissa said, what? yes, new world. And Chris says, it comes from the new world. And Mike says, it comes from the new world. And Jeff says, Everything, Everything comes from China. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa points out that marijuana. I'm thinking she she means marijuana. MJ does it. MJ Mary Jane. Yeah, Mary Jane come uh, can have adverse effects long term usage. I work in mental health, and it's not a good option for overall health for most people. Yay, amen, Lisa. Uh, you had Father Dempsey, buddy. You went to Saint University Saint Thomas and had Father Dempsey as a teacher. He said Father Dempsey always gave chocolate to help with studies. That was my professor, and he would do that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He would give us chocolate. Just randomly, he'd bring a box of chocolate and start giving out chocolate. I think we have to do it. I think we need to book Jesse for uh, marijuana. I think so, too. That'd be good. Let's make it happen. Maybe next week. Let's see if we can get him on for next week. Uh, are we out of time already? We're out of time. We didn't mention one single movie. Um, Was today movie day or what? Well, the... mo- movies and food. We did talk about chocolate anyway. I know. That's... So can we cover... The Outsiders. The uh, Outsiders. Um, um, Keith The Wolverines. Um, Wolverine, well, all the uh, old films. I like this. Trying, trying to throw something Adrian's else out there. Adrian's coming around. Wolverines. I saw that long Who time ago. Remembers the Outsiders. Keeper yeah. Sutherland. Yeah. Playing back before vampire movies were cool. <laughs> right. Before, that's right. You're right. <laughs> back in the day, Buddy right. was in my class. That's wild. <laughs> Are you being? Serious, I don't know what he, I don't know what you, you look like. That up, buddy? What? Anyway, God love you all. Small world. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I have no idea who's on the show tomorrow, but we'll figure it out. God love you. See you back here, 6 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Central for Catholic Drive Time. Do us a favor and tell a friend. We'd be grateful to you. God bless.